Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Welcome to the Great Women in Compliance Podcast with Lisa Fine and Mary Shirley. I'm Mary Shirley and my podcast wife, is Lisa Fine. Today is another soliloquy episode. The last time I recorded one of these, I was home in New Zealand during the pandemic. This time I'm home in Boston, still during the pandemic. I'm going to do a rants and raves episode. I think it's important to have balance in life. We cannot just be overly optimistic and unrealistic all the time. So it helps to have a little bit of the good and a little bit of the bad. And this idea is inspired by one of our sister podcasts on the Compliance Podcast Network uh, that Tom uh, Tom Fox hosts, um, where the Everything Compliance uh, gentlemen share um, shout outs and disappointments. So I'm going to do the same today, some topical things um, with compliance bends and how I've been thinking on them. And I encourage you if you've uh, got a bee in your bonnet about something compliancy, feel free to reach out and we can vent about it together or share different views if it's something we've got different perspectives on. And if any of these today particularly resonate with you, um, I'd also be interested to, to hear that. Or maybe it's just me alone on my own island um, with some bugbears and some things to, to celebrate. We'll see. So the first item on my list uh, is related to misogyny in the workplace. And um, this is uh, also related to, if you recall, for those of you who listened in to Jay Rosen's episode on Great Woman in Compliance, the bonus episode on how to network in compliance, uh, we almost had an off-to-the-side conversation um, because I had suffered a disappointing encounter that I'd shared with Jay and uh, that came up in his episode and I was hushing him saying shh shh, I'm going to do a podcast on on this and this day has come so a little bit more information on this and just generally I I would like to think that misogyny not just in the workplace but generally is something that we don't have to worry so much about anymore and every now and again we have a stark disappointment where we learn that, in fact, it is not completely behind us. It's not a thing of the past. And I think from a world stage point of view, many of you will have seen Yoshiro Mori's uh, comments from the um, Olympic Committee. He's a a Japanese um, national who made comments about um, women contributing in meetings, and he inferred that Um, If women are allowed to speak during meetings, it is very difficult to get them to stop. There must be limits on such things. What I found interesting, um, of course unsurprising, was the uh, general shock (laughs) at such statements having been made and um, and I, I think believed by someone. Interestingly, the data um, behind such things indicates that, in fact, women talking too much during meetings is not the problem. Political scientists find that when groups of five make democratic decisions, if only one member is a woman, she speaks 40% less 
than each of the men. Even if the group has a majority of three women, they each speak 36% less than each of the two men. And only in groups with four women do they each finally take up as much airtime as the one man. So we can see that the balance of power, if you will, needs to be very heavily leaning towards women before uh, they will start taking up a great deal of time during meetings. Uh, and I, I would just like to be clear, I read that last bit from an article written by Adam Grant, that, that little bit of um, data there. So in compliance, um, I'm, I'm very grateful that I typically don't come across misogyny in the role. There was a recent example when an individual contacted me and wanted to speak about something substantive in compliance. Um, it was regarding an article that I'd written and they wanted to, to learn more about the legislation in a particular jurisdiction. And I, as I'm sure Lisa can probably relate to, uh, I receive a large number of requests for, for people to do one-on-one -on -one chats. And I try to accommodate those as much as possible, but of course it becomes tough um, with uh, day job and uh, outside commitments of work uh, and also just kind of wanting a break sometimes. Um, but I agreed, um, I thought I could fit it in and, um, and want to help the person. And um, when we did get on the phone, he spoke about how great he is and then commenced a sales pitch about his product. He did not refer to the substantive subject matter that was supposedly the purpose of the call. Um, and after a while, as it became more and more clear to me that I was sitting there hearing more of a, a sales pitch rather than um, a robust discussion about compliance issues, I interrupted him and said, um, you know, I, I, I had, had understood that we were here to talk about X. I didn't realize that it was to be a, uh, a, a discussion about your product and a, and a sales pitch um, so it, it, it may not be worthwhile continuing on. Um, it was very nice to meet you and I wish you a pleasant rest of your day. And at that point, he terminated the call uh, without response, which I, I thought was a little uh, different and unexpected. And then within 10 to 15 minutes in my LinkedIn inbox uh, came a misogynistic and abusive message. Uh, I eventually, of course, uh, blocked this individual, but I remained quite shaken about it. You can probably even hear me breathing harder um, through the microphone right now. And because it is emotionally uncomfortable, uh, I, I believe situations of, of conflict um, tend to give humans, uh, most of them, not really a feeling of being happy about that happening. Uh, and it causes emotions to rise. Um, and I thought very much on this situation, and, and Jay asked me the question, Mary, do you think if you had just continued on and, and listened to his sales pitch and sat through it, would you have avoided the conflict? And when I had thought about this myself, I think the answer is very easily yes. Had I 
sat through it and given up my time and then gushed at the end about how marvelous his product sounded and that I would be happy to speak to my colleagues um, about getting a, a, a demo done, uh, I, I do not think he would have terminated the call without uh, word and then sent me a verbally abusive message afterwards. However, the other thing that came to mind for me is that if I did do that, is that not simply the corporate equivalent of just lying back and pretending to enjoy it? The fact of the matter is this individual disrespected my intelligence and my time by misleading me to take a call with him and to not call out the false pretenses I think I'm doing a disservice to myself and also disrespecting my own time and my own intelligence to, to not do so. So we're in a situation where misogyny still exists in the workplace and uh, I, I'm not quite sure what the answer is in terms of how to best protect ourselves. I, I don't believe that a man would have received the, the same response that, that I did. Um, and upon reflection, did I do the right thing in terms of calling out the unethical behavior? I think not only did I do the right thing, but I did the only thing. We are supposed to be ethics and compliance professionals, and I hold us to a higher standard when it comes to behaving well, when it comes to treating others with respect, when it comes to being honest I think we in compliance have no choice but to respect the values that we seek to promote in our colleagues throughout the day. I'll be interested to hear your thoughts, especially those of you who uh, may be more experienced than me um, or wiser than me in such areas as to um, other ways in which I can combat the situation. I will share that it has had somewhat of a chilling effect on me. So after um, this incident, uh, I became very reluctant to um, uh, honour the requests of others to have one-on-one -on -one time because I didn't want them to go south. I didn't want to be misled and um, thought of as a little dum-dum, just turning up to any call and it, it being a sales pitch. Um, and I didn't want further conflict. So, of course, with time, I'm sure that I'll return to normal uh, in that respect. But it's interesting how one uh, bad apple, of course, can sour the bunch and uh, uh, make it more difficult for both men and women um, who, are, who have good intentions to uh, connect further down the track because of this. And then a related rave uh, that I would like to give, I'd like to celebrate the male allies in compliance who outwardly have flown the flag for feminism. I believe we have many in our community who have not only supported the Great Women in Compliance podcast and associated book, but who also look out for um, the rights of those around them, uh, making sure that uh, the women in their circles and their community receive appropriate attention and care. Um, and so I'll just name a few of those individuals Kevin Withane, Adam Balfour, Nick Gallo, all champions in compliance for equal rights of, of those around us and looking out for women's voices being heard and being amplified. 
And I'll also give a, a shout out to uh, Panasonic um, uh, USA, um, Lewis Saperman uh, there. He uh, very kindly got his whole team, uh, both the men and the women, uh, gifts of uh, the Great Woman in Compliance book at the end of last year. Uh, and I thought, what a magnificent show um, of, of equality and uh, and showcasing uh, women in, in the industry and being a great role model for that. So we have many wonderful allies, and I know I've only named a handful that come to mind, and we've spoken of many on the show, and, of course, we've featured several on the show as well. So just a, a little taster there, and uh, my sincere thanks for um, flying the flag for feminism and uh, and letting us know that you're in our corner. It's, it's very much appreciated. And then moving on to my second rant of the day, um, we've, we've seen a lot um, recently in terms of the uh, uh, hiring process for compliance roles. Um, several of us have been volunteering um, in Compliance Career Connection. So I'm going to give that a, a rave first in this section, which is um, individuals who have been giving up their time to keep others company and also brush up on their skills during the job hunting process. And I really think this is important because the job hunting process can be incredibly demeaning. Uh, it can be demoralizing. It can be stressful. And, uh, you know, you're recommended to take a year um, if you're going to look for a job and, and hope to move somewhere. And so that's a long period uh, to sit with yourself um, receiving rejection letters or potentially even worse, receiving no response to your applications. I believe a lot of big companies now um, uh, send auto responses. So at least you know that you have successfully uh, submitted your application. What I'm going to rant about is the disproportionate balance of power in the hiring process. Hiring managers treating candidates with disrespect as if they are better people than the candidates. And you know what? I really do think it was the case that historically uh, employers really did hold the power and you were supposed to be super grateful as a candidate if anyone wanted you. But the reality is it's a very much a two-way decision-making process. And the hiring process is not just for the hiring manager to decide whether or not they would like to work with you, but it's your chance to test whether that employer is right for you. And yet it doesn't often feel that way. Um, when you go through a job hunting process and you uh, meet with people, you do tests, and then it's so common these days that they don't do you the courtesy of a response. So my rant uh, in this respect and my ask for those of you who have hiring manager roles um, or for those of you who are working with your talent acquisition team, give regular updates to anyone that you've convened with and demand the same from your talent acquisition colleagues. Um, don't let the candidate dangle. Um, it is just cruel to, to leave people waiting. So if we are, as I, I noted before in the previous section, supposed to be ethical champions 
let's show it ourselves in our hiring. I mean, that's a place where we look to see whether an employee um, is going to be someone that we think has the right ethical standards and values to join our company. And they're judging us at the same time when we're hiring as to whether we're treating them with the same respect that they expect in their business dealings moving forward as an employee. So I hope um, that uh, most of you who listen to the podcast anyway are um, regulars at doing that and, and uh, it, 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 it needs to go unsaid essentially. I'm sure you're all fantastic at it. But I hope somehow that reminders get out to, to those who need them. And then my final topic of the day um, for the rent side of things uh, is the erosion, I believe, we're seeing of Chief Compliance Officer Authority. And I have spoken with Matt Kelly a little bit about this, and I believe he has um, done some writing on this as well. Um, and we're seeing it in a variety of ways. Um, some of you may be familiar with proponents talking about how compliance should be uh, separate and individual from the legal department. And I believe, um, I'm, I'm from the, the school of thought that that is best practice because legal and compliance have um, inherent conflicts. However, I recognize that it's not always possible to have legal and compliance separate especially um, in smaller non-regulated companies. Um, and so in that case, I, I understand that compliance and legal may be more likely to sit as one department rather than compliance being separate and independent and reporting straight up into the CEO um, and or the board. Um, what I am having trouble with, though, is when there are a number of roles where perhaps there was a, a CCO in the role and then that role gets somehow downgraded or the company decides to go with making a global compliance uh, role, basically heading up the compliance function at director level and having them report into a general counsel who may or may not have compliance expertise and the general counsel gets the mantle of chief compliance officer, which is probably, I would assume, a little demeaning for the compliance directors who are doing the heavy lifting and, and or hold the compliance subject matter expertise um, to be reporting into a boss who may may not have uh, that, that skill set as well. But the other area in which that worries me is that, of course, the Department of Justice has indicated in their guidance that compliance officers should be given requisite levels of authority and resources. So why not, uh, if you can, just make the compliance function separate and give the chief compliance officer, i.e. the one who's doing the compliance work, the title that belongs with the compliance function rather than giving it to somebody else and having the compliance subject matter expert report into uh, the person that doesn't have the compliance expertise and stripping the compliance person of a VP or a higher title. I think we're seeing a lot more of that. Um, it's a worrying trend, uh, as, as Matt Kelly has noted. Um, and so I guess this one is a uh, watch the space situation. So we'll see what happens. 
And, uh, you know, if you've got any thoughts that are different, especially if you maybe are one of those compliance officers that looks after everything substantively in compliance at the director level and um, you're reporting into someone in legal uh, and you hold a different view and you love that situation and you think it works really well, I'd love to hear your perspectives on that. Please, please do get in touch. And then for a rave, um, I want to, to, to thank every one of you that listens to, their pod, uh, to this podcast and invests in your own growth and development, uh, that you challenge your own views by being open to those of others. And you don't necessarily have to change the way you think or your opinion by listening to others. But I do think it's important to hear a variety of different views and expose yourself to people with different backgrounds or different areas of subject matter expertise in our field. And I wish I had known earlier uh, to supplement what I was taught at work with outside resources. Although to be fair to me, um, there, there wasn't as much available um, to the uh, university age studying Mary um, as there would be available to today's uh, university studying age person. And I received a lovely note um, from a lady who reached out to say uh, thank you for the podcast because it had cemented her belief um, that she wanted to, to work in compliance when uh, she graduates. And I responded to her that I know that she will be very successful because um, at this point in her career, you know, really essentially before her career has even started, she's going out of her way to learn and absorb more um, than she does at school. And she's proactively looking out to, to expand her horizons and her own mind. Um, and honestly, I wish I had been more like that myself. However, you can't turn back time. Um, so if you are listening to this and you are um, in an opportunity, um, fresh and able to absorb more at an earlier point, I fully encourage doing it, not just with our podcast, of course, but think about all the resources available to you. Ask for recommendations from other people. Be generous in return. Make suggestions to, to those around you of resources that you've found to be really helpful. So that was it. Um, a little bit of the good, a little bit of the bad. Those are the things that I've been pondering upon of late. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. What's topical going on in your mind? What's rattling around in there? Is there anything that you can't reconcile? Anything that you think we should be looking out for is the, the next big thing? Anything that's really getting under your skin, you're welcome to get in touch and we can chat about it. Um, hopefully I'll get my bravery back to have more conversations soon. But in the meantime, I very much appreciate your company by way of listening into the podcast. And behalf of Lisa Fine and myself, I wish you a very pleasant rest of your day ahead. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.